0: Discovery, go and throttle 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Hello, and welcome to the Star Trek Warp Top 10 Podcast. That's right, this is the Top Ten Podcast that transports a new Top Ten into your Trek hole every episode. As always, I'm your host, Phil Rizzo, Uh, and unfortunately I'm not joined by my partner Luke Boyle, uh, as we discussed in the um, previous pod. Uh, Luke is going to take a step back and uh, produce mainly this season. Uh, He will be on some episodes with me, hopefully more um, rather than less, but you know, we'll see. Uh, but we are going to keep the show going. Uh, he's going to, he's going to produce it. I'm going to be speaking to you solo. Um, sometimes we'll try to have guests on, like we mentioned. And it is worth pointing out that Luke, as far as being a producer does handle most of the technical side of this. Um, I'm not big with the tech. Um, you know, I do what I can, but, uh, Luke is, is the, uh, handles the bulk of the, uh, the editing, the bulk of the, you know, the publishing and all that stuff. That's all him. Um, it's a two man operation and he does 90% of that. So, uh, could not be here without him, of course, uh, so he is uh, ever-valuable. So, as always, uh, you know, listen, before we get started, hit us up on uh, Instagram, on Twitter, give us an email, uh, let us know how we're doing, drop a comment, um, anything you want to say, really, um, shout it out to us. We You can hit us up at stwarp10, that is at stwarp10, um, that stands for something, I don't know what it stands for, um, but uh, yeah, we'll figure that out. So let us let me tell you a little bit about myself, where I'm at in my Trek watchings right now. I am still watching the original series. I am still on season two, um, in the middle of season two. Um, it's fun. You know, it, it's fun to sit back and watch these episodes. You know, I uh, they're not all great and they're not, you know, terrible, but, um, you know, I'm enjoying them nonetheless, no matter how good or bad, quote unquote, the episodes are. Um, some are very silly. Uh, you know, I just watched a Cat's Paw not too long ago. Um, very silly episode, but... A very fun episode, too. And again, it's, it's you know, I'm not marathoning them. I'm not binging them. I'm kind of watching them whenever I'm really in the mood just to kind of kick back and watch. You know, I'm uh, maybe once every two weeks I'm throwing an episode on. You know, I'm not rushing my experience. I've never seen the original series, so I really want to take it all in. Really want to enjoy it. Uh, so I'm kicking back with a drink usually, and I'll just enjoy one episode a night. Uh, I don't think I've ever done two in a row. I just kind of want to just kind of take it slow. Uh, yeah. So, you know, they're, they're, they're fun. Um, you know, they're, some of them are, are tough to get through. Uh, you know, the length is a little, um, some of them feel longer than they are. Um, and I think it's just because of the pacing and the plotting of, uh, you know, 60s television probably. I, I I was born in the seventies. So, you know, obviously it's, it's before my time. Um, and you, you pretty much all know by now that I haven't watched a lot of the original series. Um, I, uh, I got into next gen, you know, later on and then just kind of, you know, went forward from there chronologically. Um, so yeah, so I'm enjoying the rewatch. Uh, and you know, so, so I'm doing that. I refreshed myself on next gen. Uh, you know, I, uh, I, that's the, that and D space are the two shows I've seen the most. So I didn't really need to refresh myself on too many episodes, but some of the ones that weren't, you know, great. I I rewatched those just to kind of, you know, soak it in and a few other ones that I'd seen a bunch of times that I just love watching. So I watched them again, but, uh, Finish my refresh of uh, Next Gen. I'm almost done with my refresh of DSpace9. I'm on, uh, at the end of Season 6, just checking out a couple more episodes that I haven't seen too many times. You know, trying to stay, um, you know, current. Trying to to keep uh, the memories fresh. Trying to keep my knowledge up for you guys. Um, You know, most of the pod, I do off of memory. Um, I don't really fact check or research too much. That's why we kind of do the housekeeping at the end of every episode. That's why I get every single fact dead wrong, uh, everybody. That's... That's the reason why. I just kind of wing it. Um, you know, if I think something's interesting, I'll kind of jot down a note because I want to mention that. But for the most part, I'm kind of just going off, you know, my my love a track in my head. Um, so if I get some stuff wrong, I know we've said this before, but if I get a couple details wrong, forgive me, please. Um, you know, and hey, or correct me. We would love to hear from you guys and say, you know what, Phil, you were wrong because um, it happens a lot. So, you know, l- let us know um, where we're going wrong. But like I said, I'm just trying to refresh, just trying to trying to keep everything uh everything up to date in my head for you guys. So I'm almost done with my D space refresh. Um, then I'm going to do, you guessed it, a Voyager refresh. Um, I know our good buddy, Troy Leonard is, uh, he's been uh binging Voyager. I think he's seen 95% of them back in the day, but he's, he's having a fun time, uh, you know, going through his Voyager refresh, sending me texts here and there, <laughs> some, some questions, you know, how in the hell can Janeway, blah, 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 or how, you know, <laughs> we'll have him on again. And we'll, uh, we'll talk about that for sure. But, uh I'm really looking forward to watching Enterprise. So that is after Voyager, surely. Um, And as I've said before, I've only seen the first three seasons. So I really, really, really am looking forward to seeing season four. But when Luke and I did our season finales pod, I was really surprised at how much I enjoyed rewatching the finales from seasons one, two, and three from Enterprise. Um, so I really, really think I'm going to enjoy watching Enterprise for the second time, the first three seasons, that is, and then really diving into that fourth season. I know, I know the last episode, I know these are the Voyagers, and it's supposed to be, um, terrible with what they did. Uh, but oh, we will wait and see. I'll, uh, I'll reserve judgment until I see it, of course. Um, I'm curious to see how they resolve the Zindi finale at the end of season three. Um, but I'm really looking forward to that, so that should be great. And then from there, you know, hey, I'll rewatch everything, I suppose, Um, Lower Decks season two, finished that. That was, that was a blast. I'm sure we'll talk about that a lot. We talk about Lower Decks ad nauseum, I know. But, uh, today we got the top 10 recurring characters for you. That's correct. Um, you know, so we're going to run down, um, my top 10 favorite recurring characters from all the series. Um, I will, spoiler alert, I will, uh, tell you though that the bulk of my list is DS9, and here's why. That show really took the time to explore their recurring characters. They had a lot of them. Um, they had a lot of good ones, and you know, it, it was it was more serialized. Uh, everybody knows this. You know, it wasn't as um, episodic as Next Gen or Voyager, uh, for that matter. So DS9 really had time to build a lot of these recurring characters and make them, um, you know, uh, rich and uh, deep with uh, a lot of thought put behind them. Um, And the the actors themselves and the writers, you know, hand in hand, had a lot of time to grow these characters, give them all arcs, and give them all a lot to do. So, I suppose it's only, uh, you know, fitting that uh, most of our list comes from DS9, but I got a couple non-DS9 shows on there, so I'm looking forward to talking to you about those. Uh, You know, right off the bat, I want to say this. We did a whole episode on Q. Uh, We did our favorite Q episodes um a lot of people like that episode. Q obviously is a great recurring character, but I'm going to do this without Q on the list. Um I'm going to pull what I'm going to call the parrot sketch not included clause and um you know not include Q in this list. I know um we uh did that before in the last episode. I know I kind of had a uh the parrot sketch not included clause, but uh that's going to be useful I think. I think you know when you break down top 10 next gen eps, you know not including Best of Both Worlds, I think makes it more interesting. Um, you know, it's arguably the best you know episode on the show. Uh, two episodes really on the show, um, along with all good things. You know, it's just such a great finale that you know not mentioning them I think makes my list more interesting. You know, it kind of doesn't immediately erase two spots from my ten. So you know, I was kind of looking looking to you know get some more episodes in there, mix it up a little bit. Uh, we all know how good Best of Both Worlds is. We all know how good. Um, you know, all good things is, and we all know how awesome Q is. So, you know what, with all respect to Q, he would be on this list, of course, but I'm not going to include him in my list. That being said, I do have a few honorable mentions I want to kind of put out there. Um, yes, all three of them are from Space 9 but these did not make my list. So, you know, I, I, who doesn't love Morn? Okay, Morn is an honorable mention. You can't really include him in a top 10 list of recurring characters because he was the most recurring character, but I mean, the guy never said a line. And uh, you know he just kind of sat there. I, I love Morn. Uh, I love the Who Mourns for Morn episode. Um, you know I love uh, all the comedic moments they had with Morn, but I can't include Morn. Um, yeah, but you know we all love Morn. Uh, Michael Eddington was another honorable mention I had. You know I do like Eddington's character. I feel like if he was written just a little bit, I want to say less, not cliche, because I do like the character and I like like the, his whole arc is is really good. Um, not. Less cliche, but just I don't know, sort of less um by the numbers. Just some of his dialogue was kind of a little on the nose. Um that you know, look, that being said, the idea of a Starfleet officer betraying Starfleet for the Maquis, I think that's such a great original storyline for for the Star Trek universe. You know, we don't see that a lot. You know, um his speech he gives Cisco, you know, when he when he first betrays him, um, and he, you know, he's on the video screen talking to Sisko and he's talking about how, you know. Federation or, you know, Earth, and it's a paradise, but nobody lives, nobody leaves paradise, right? Like, you know, it, it's kind of opened your eyes to, to the Federation, not realizing we're not, not, the Federation itself isn't necessarily paradise. It's pretty much Earth, right? That's a paradise. And I'm sure, you know, Beta Zed or an Andor, and I'm sure a lot of these Federation worlds are, you know, Edens as well, but clearly not in the demilitarized zone. You know, clearly these Federation colonies that get stuck on the Cardassian border, you know, they're not, they're not paradise, you know. So, so, you know, he he kind of um, you know, opened viewers eyes, Cisco's eyes, my eyes anyway, you know, to the fact that it it's, you know, it's more complex and really it's a statement about Deep space nine in general, you know, the the the, the show and the world that they inhabit is more complex, uh, you know, and certainly more um gray than uh, you know, than than we saw on deep space or even the original series. Um, you know, there there, there was were, were, it was pretty much black and white, especially next gen. You know, there was good and there was bad. You know, and you always knew who the bad guy was, who the good guy was. Obviously, there's exceptions. There's always good writing. There's always going to be, um, you know, uh, complex villains, uh, you know, with, with, uh, you know, motives that you can, you know, you kind of get behind. You kind of understand where they're coming from. You know, the, the more complex the villain, the better. But um, for the most part on Next Gen, I feel like it was pretty cut and dry. these uh, Space, not so much. Um, you know got a little darker You didn't always know who the bad guy was and i think this is an instance with eddington where he made a, he made a case you know i don't you know hunt, i agree with his methods of course um let alone you know Cisco's methods in one of the other episodes when he's hunting him down but that's what makes that show great and that's kind of what i liked about eddington one more honorable mention um kai win i know i know stop stop shouting i, I, I uh, i'll wait all right, okay. You get it out of your system. Good. Okay. So <laughs> here's why. Here's why I put her on the honorable mentions. She's not even on the list, and I'm defending it. But here's why I put her on the honorable mentions. First of all, Louise Fletcher, uh, Fletcher, amazing actress. Okay. Um, her, uh, she played it uh, very well. I think. I, I think she played it very reali- realistically. I think. Yes, her silky sweet voice, you know, you wanted to strangle her. Um, you know, she made so many bad choices. Right up till the end. So many bad choices. But I feel like, and this is what I always felt about Kai Wen's character, is that I feel like she did always truly want to help Bajor. I feel like she did always have good intentions. Um she just uh man, did she go about it the wrong way at every turn. So yeah, you know, she almost made my list, actually. She was almost number 10. I kicked her off for, well, you, you'll see my number 10 in a few minutes, but, you know, I kind of booted her off. Um, probably because she's there to so we can hate her. I mean, that, that's, you know, I get that. And 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 we did. You know, we did hate her. Uh, we liked Opaka better. Um, you know, that Kai was good. Uh, I'll say this. She was the best Vedic on the show. I mean, come on, Burail. like Jesus, Christmas. Vedic Burail. I, I don't blame the actor. I don't blame the, I, I just, I don't know. Like, there was something about that. That character that was, he may be the most boring character in all of Star Trek, ever. Um, Again, no no offense to the actor, no offense to the writers, but my God, Vedic Barat, just knock it off. Just just knock it off. God, he was so boring. All right. Enough of that. All right. Hey, you know what? Let's do this. Uh, Hey, a little plus to me being the only one talking on here. This will not be a three hour episode like we usually kind of put out there. So, you know, let's see if we can keep this under an hour. I feel like we can. Can we? Let's do it. All right, folks. So, uh, this is the top 10 Star Trek recurring characters, in my humble opinion. Here we go. Number 10. Yes, this is the one that kicked Vedic, uh, Kai went off. This is Vic Fontaine. Vic Fontaine. Yes. Okay. I, I love Vic Fontaine. Okay. Um, Vic was in eight episodes of D Space Nine. Uh, he jumped on at the end of season six. Um, I believe it was the Odo, um, Finally Kisses Kira, His Way episode. Um, Nice little My Way, uh, you know, pun, Frank Sinatra. Um, So Vic Fontaine, like if you don't know who I'm talking about, Vic Fontaine is this like, you know, you know, um, 60s lounge singer on the Holosuite on D Space Nine. I think Bashir's, you know, awesome Holosuite friend uh, got him this program and he kind of, you know, hangs out there uh, with Vic and, uh, eventually the whole crew started going there. It was a really cool escape, um, you know, from, from the 24th century. Not just for us as viewers, but for, you know, the Starfleet officers and the Bajoran officers who were dealing with the war, right? So I like the whole idea of this because it's such a great escape from the stresses of the war in seasons six and seven. Um, I feel like this was, um, I mean, yes, it, yes, it was a device. It was a, you know, um, device by the writers you know, to sort of have a different setting, to have something refreshing, to have something familiar, um, 1960s Las Vegas lounge singer, um, you know, it's, it's like the Sherlock Holmes or, um, Dixon Hill, you know, uh, something with the holodecks and, you know, it was, a you know, Lord knows Voyager did this, um, to success and to failure in, uh, you know, in Voyager, uh, you know, with, uh, I don't know, that old Irish pub, the Fairhaven pub, I mean, that was, you know, that was good and that was hit or miss, um, you know, the the France pool hall in the first season was kind of fun. Um Chaotica, I really liked, of course. Hey, you know what? But we'll save that for uh top ten Voyager holodeck uh you know disasters. We'll we'll do that list there. So back to Vic Fontaine, my number ten. Um yeah, so it's a great escape for the Federation officers. Uh I really, really, really liked the fact that Cisco had a problem with it um at first for um, for very good reasons. You know, I uh, I feel like it is so realistic, um, and so true to the, the character, but so true to the idea of having an African American captain headline a Star Trek show was fantastic. And, and it's only fitting that he brought up the fact that, you know, 1960s Las Vegas was not always welcoming to African Americans. Um, and they, they addressed that. And I think that's one of the really great things about D Space Nine. They do not shy away, um, from, from, the show reflecting problems in our society even though you know the 24th century federation is a much better world a much better universe much better galaxy but um they address that and that's one of the things the show does great so you know they 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 have fun most of the time um you know in Vic's uh Vic's lounge or whatever it's called but um you know they, they have some great episodes uh centering around there too i know uh it's Only a Paper Moon, I think was the name of the episode where Nog lost his, um, spoiler alert, by the way, I'm sorry if you haven't seen any of this stuff, but Nog, I think he lost his leg um, in, uh, in the ward, maybe it was the siege episode of AR, what was it, AR 558, I want to say, but um, yeah, so Nog spends a lot of time escaping in the holodeck trying to drown his sorrows, and Vic kind uh, of you know, talks him through his crisis, um, a, holode- a hologram um, does all this, a very complex hologram, clearly, but we've seen those before, so, but, uh, James Daring did a great job, love Vic Fontaine, love him, um, yeah, so that is my number 10. So, my number nine is Seska, that's right, Seska, played by Martha Hackett, Voyager, uh, so Seska appeared in 13 episodes of Voyager, I didn't think it was that many, I thought it was a little less than that, but it was 13 episodes, um, I really like this character, so, Seska was on the Maquis ship when it got stranded in the Delta Quadrant, and eventually the Maquis ship merged with Voyager when they both got sucked into the Delta Quadrant. So, uh, she was a Bajoran, she was friends with Balana, she was friends with Chakotay, uh, and uh, you know, she was very chummy with the whole crew. So, you know, spoiler alert, in the middle of the first season of Voyager, it turns out that Seska was actually a Cardassian spy infiltrating the Maquis, so she was really a Cardassian pretty cool. So, at some point, she ends up, you know, leaving Voyager and teaming up with the horrible, horrible Kazon. Um, the Kazon were, like, Voyager's chief nemesis in the first two seasons. They they weren't great, you know. Um, some of the episodes were good, you know, but they were such a weird species. I mean, I, I guess we'll talk about them at some point when we discuss Voyager more, but if she could have teamed up with somebody better, man, it would have really elevated her character even more. But she was great. Um, You know, she had a thing with Chakotay and then uh claimed that she had Chakotay's son and, you know, big cliffhanger where her and the Kazon Strand Voyager on the planet, you know, just to to kind of fend for themselves or die. So Seska was a cool character and they kept finding really, really cool ways to bring her back. That That's one of the, the things that I liked about her character. So she does die. She dies in the second season, I want to say, pretty much at the end of the, the whole Kazon arc, you know. Um, the Kazon, I want to say the Kazon Nistrum was the sect that she was a part of. There was the Kazon Ugla, Kazon this, Kazon that. Like They were just pretty much warring tribes who were fighting for, you know, resources in in that part of the galaxy where they didn't have water, I guess. I don't know. That's a whole other thing we'll talk about. But anyway, I, I'm, hey, listen, l- l- let me take a little second here to talk about how I will just start ranting and go on these, you know, sort of tangents. Um, you can't physically yell to bring me back but you know you could try to will it and maybe i'll just oh snap to and get back to the point but uh I, I i will do that from time to time i do apologize um my partner luke will keep me on on target um sometimes but uh anyway i'm gonna bring this back seska appeared in 13 episodes as i said but the way they brought her back so um the one good episode the really the best way they brought her back was um another holodeck episode hmm a lot of those huh a lot you I'll admit, I love the holodeck episodes. I love them. Um, a lot of people, including the writers and the producers, got tired of them. You know, they would accept spec scripts scripts from um, non-professional writers or professional writers, but I believe, like, for a while, the edict was no holodeck episodes. <laughs> they were just, they were done with that. Um, I, I think I liked most of them. I can't think of a holodeck episode that I didn't like except for, as you know, the aforementioned Voyager disasters. So one really good episode called Worst Case Scenario, you know, it starts off with uh, Torres on uh, the ship and she gets involved in a mutiny and Seska's there. And you're like, wait, wait, wait." and she's Bajoran again. You're like, what's going on? It's a holodeck simulation. And she sort of came across it when she was like cleaning out files or something. And it was sort of a, what if someone created, you know, as a, you know, just a practice in case there was a mutiny on the ship. Um, for fun, I'm not going to tell you who created it. I, it. It's a really cool reveal. About halfway through the through the episode. It's a really great episode to watch. A, a worst case scenario. Anyway, it brings back Seska in a really cool way. I should say it brings back the actress. Um, the character of Seska in a really cool way. Martha Hackett did a great job. I just like that character, character. So duplicitous, um, you know, you really thought she was going to be a part of the Voyager crew recurring, you know, through the whole run. Because she was in a lot of episodes at first, before you realized who she really was. But, uh, just a just a you know great character, great episode. I liked her a lot. Um, she looks like she had a ton of fun playing it. Um, yeah, so that was a that was that was a fun one for me watching Ceska. Um I liked that, and that was my number nine. All right, so far one D space, one Voyager. You're gonna see that list. Whoop, get higher. So number eight, Martok, General Martok, the Klingon General Martok. All right. Um, I think the actor's name is pronounced JG. Hertzler, but don't quote me on that please. Um I like him a lot. He's he's great. Uh I've only seen him in one other thing. I saw he was in a Seinfeld episode. He was um he was running the actor's studio when Mickey was trying to get in and he was using Kramer as a scene partner. And Kramer had the Frankenstein jeans on, the skinny jeans, and he couldn't get them off. So he couldn't just sit down in the scene. I'm pretty sure that was J.G. Hertzler at playing, you know, running that, uh, that actor's studio audition. So that, that was, that was, that was really good. So yeah, so General Martok, first of all, it was great seeing another Klingon character, another recurring Klingon character. You know, um, we all love Worf, but, at least I assume everybody loves Worf. I do. Uh, you know, the character of Worf. And it was great, you know, getting to know the Klingon culture through him. Um, and yes, we, you know, we we knew Duras. We knew Lursa and Bator. We knew Gowron, you know, on Next Gen. Um, we knew Kor. We knew Kang. We knew Kodos, I want to say. Again, sorry, no original series, folks. I'm sorry. Um, I know Kang and Kor. Um, I want to say Kodos, but I could just be thinking about the Simpsons aliens. Hmm. I'm always thinking about the Simpsons aliens. Anyway, um, so yeah, getting to know Martok, another Klingon, a different perspective, more of a diehard Klingon, if you will. Um, you know, more of a, of a grassroots Klingon than, uh, than sort of the quote unquote watered down. Uh, what am I quoting? I'm saying it. Uh, anyway, then the watered down Klingon we get from Worf, you know, he, I mean, he's, he's badass. We all know that. Um, but he's, I mean, he's humanized. Let's, let's face it. Even he would admit that. He has admitted it on a couple occasions for sure. So we know Martok, rich, proud house uh, that Worf eventually joins, and Dax joins as well. Um, You know, so it was was great getting to know him. He was in 25 episodes of D-Space Nine. Martok, 25 episodes. Um, I would have guessed um, 15, maybe 20 at the most. Um, But he was there. He was there. I know he was in uh, pretty much the entire seventh season. Um, At least, you know, any episode having to do with the war. um, He was the face of Klingons. Uh, you know who were pretty much the chief allies of the Federation in the war, you know, as well as the Romulans and all the Federation worlds. But uh, for the most part, it was it was you know uh, Martok representing the Klingons, Admiral Ross representing humanity and federations, and federations, um, the Federation. And uh, yeah, so uh, so Martok was a was a cool cool character. It was it was great. You know, the first time we met Martok because it actually wasn't the first time we met the actor playing. Martuk, you know, if you recall from d Space nine and again spoiler alert. um turns out you know the Martuk we met in season four was, yeah, right the, the episode premiere episode of season four um with the uh, way of the warrior. Uh, that was apparently okay, that was probably Martuk at the time, but at some point he was replaced by a changeling. And we learned this in the uh, the great two part episode um in Purgatory Shadow by Inferno's light. When Bashir gets sent to the uh, camp with Garrick and Worf and Martok's there, and they're like, whoa, whoa, "Whoa, wait a minute! What the hell are you doing here?" I just, you know, you were just on the Klingon ship, blah blah. blah. So apparently, the real Martok's in the prison, and Martok himself is a changeling. Really cool, really cool twist. A really cool reveal in that episode. So yeah, but then we had a we had a solid, you know, episode and uh, two and a half years to uh, to get used to uh, the real Martok and uh, what a badass Klingon he was. Uh, great sounding board for Worf as far as you know actual deep klingon rituals go you know telling Worf to shut the hell up about the impending wedding you <laughs> know so he was um just mostly a, a sort of bombastic you know uh, klingon uh character but you definitely liked him you definitely I should say he was written you know to be liked he was written to be uh, you know a sort of a, a window into the the klingon fleet but he was a uh, J.G. Hertzler really played him well, uh, you know, and I thought um, he was just, just a, a good guy to have around, you know, you're in a battle and, and, you know, all of a sudden the Klingon ship shows up and it's Martok and you're like, all right, man, he, this guy's got our back, you know, um, in the war against the, you know, the, the the Dominion fighting Jem'Hadar, you want a guy like that. On your six, huh? You want him on your six. I know what that means. Martok, number eight, fantastic. Number nine, Nog 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 the uh the late great uh aaron eisenberg uh played nog um 47 appearances on Deep space Nine. great actor man who, who didn't who didn't love this character um you know cork was a popular ferengi you know but let's give it to nog you know he was he befriended jake and vice versa um you know the first ferengi to join starfleet how cool is that Um, you know, I'm surprised they didn't really go for that angle more often than they did. You know, Worf, you know, the only, you know, Klingon in Starfleet, and that was a big deal for a while. Um, you know, Data, the only android in Starfleet. Kind of, you know, they never really went a different way, you know? Like, I mean, I guess there's limited choices, right? I guess a Romulan in Starfleet would have been too much. A Gemma Dar in Starfleet might have been overboard. So I guess the only way to really go would be like, you know, a species that was used for comic relief. Up until really, you know, they got serious about Quark and Rom and Nog and, you know, and all the... Uh, I mean, while well, they were still used for comic relief, hello, Zek. But um, just having the first Ferengi in Starfleet and him actually being, you know, brave and, you know, having the qualities that you generally think of when you think of a Starfleet officer. Very cool. Um, so he was also... I You know, I liked Nog because he was a great go-between um, between human culture and Federation culture in the... I'm sorry, human culture and Ferengi culture early on. You know, his discussions with Jake, some of them were really interesting. The way they were written was was clever. They weren't on the nose. They weren't um trying to give you an insight into perspectives on each other's cultures, but you know, kind of the way they they wrote their dialogue. Like, you know, I I love the in the cards episode where they're trying to hunt down the Willie Mays card for Cisco and I think we've mentioned this before on the pod, actually, and Jake's trying to explain to Nog, whose entire culture is based on, you know, capitalism and earning profit, he's trying to explain to him, oh, we don't, we don't, we don't have money. You know, humans don't use money. We just, we go for the betterment of mankind. And his, and Aaron Eisenberg's, like, delivery of his response was so, he's like, what does that mean exactly? Like, 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 he's been fed up with, like, hearing that about the Federation his whole life. And now he's like, look, what, what the hell are you talking about? Explain that to me. How do you do anything without money? And that's a whole other question in and of itself. You know, the Federation, it's great that no one earns profit or no one, I should say no one cares about earning profit. Like, I'm sure there's compensation for work and I'm sure it's not a, you know, it's not a trade society like, like humans were before, you know, currency was invented or coinage. But I feel like. Yeah, there must have been some sort of compensation, you know. You know, oh, you know how to you know trim my bushes with your little device. i right, do that. I'll give you, uh, you know, they weren't trading furs, you know. They must have given him some. But anyway, we'll, we'll figure that out. I don't know. Maybe they did trade furs. I, I I don't know. I don't know anything about really 24th century Earth. So um, I liked Nog. Nog was a fun character. Um, I mean, what more can you say? You know, so Aaron Eisenberg died before his time. You know, I'm not exactly sure how he passed away. Um, you know, actually, interesting story about Aaron Eisenberg. So I, I volunteer at the Garden State Film Festival pretty much every year. And, uh, you know, you get a chance to see a lot of great independent films. And I was watching a film. It was, um, I want to say it was directed by, um, James Van Patten. Um, and I'm watching it and, and Aaron Eisenberg's in it. So I'm watching this film and I'm, and I know he had passed already. Um, So afterwards, I had a chance to talk to James Van Patten, who was in the film, Um, and I want to say who's he either wrote it or directed it doesn't matter. So I was talking to him, and I said, "Hey, you know, I noticed Aaron Eisenberg was in the film, but then halfway through the film, he sort of disappeared." And I said, "You know what? Hey, is that because he passed? You know?" um, And uh, and James Van Patten was like, "Oh, you know, no, no, no. He he finished the film. You know, um, he you know he was spending time in and out of the hospital um, during filming." Um I, I, so I believe what I'm basically getting at I believe it was his last film that he did and he spoke according to James Van Patten Aaron Eisenberg spoke very, very highly of uh, his time on D Space Nine, of all the cast and crew, and he said James Van Patten said he had nothing um but good things to say about D Space Nine. Um Van Patten himself had nothing but good things to say about Aaron Eisenberg, and I I I can't imagine that he wasn't just a, a delightful um you know human being. Uh, and it's a shame. It's a shame that he died before his time um, because uh, he was a great, great actor and Nog uh, was such a great character. And um, yeah, so, you know, that's it. Um, thanks, Aaron Eisenberg. And, uh, you know, Nog is a great character. So number six. Yeah, we're going to get off D-Space Nine. Sorry. It's been, you know, it's been three. So let's see. We got one, two, three. So we're three to one. D-Space Nine's beating Voyager. Let's get let's get somebody else in here. Let's get Jet Reno in this piece. All right. Yes. Yes, no, 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 no. It's not a Star Wars character. Okay. It is Jet Reno from uh Discovery. So, recurring engineer on Discovery, uh played by Tig Tignataro, I want to say. That's how you say her name. Um, so yeah, so I mean, wh- what can you say about, about this character? She is she's so much so fun. I mean, you know, yes, she's um you know, she's she's ornery. Um, you know, she's a bit of a curmudgeon. Um, you know, she she's hilarious. Um love the way she plays it. She plays with enough seriousness and earnestness where, you know, the f- sort of flippant thing she says doesn't come off as being completely flippant. Like, she's got legit grievances with the thing she's complaining about. There's not really a lot of Star-, Star Trek characters. I should say, not a lot of Federation characters for sure like that. Um, who's just sort of, oh, yeah I mean, yeah, O'Brien, we've talked about, you know, him being a curmudgeon. He's always complaining about something. Um, usually it's about things having, you know, to do with uh, his home life. Uh, or his, you know, personal sort of opinions. It's not usually about his job, but I love that Jet Reno just complains about everything. Um, I, I, you know, the character talking about Tignataro talking about her character. You know, she, she, um, you know, didn't think she would be a good fit. She didn't think she would, you know, be good at it. Uh, the Pod Directive had a great episode, I believe, with uh, Tig Notaro on there, and it was really fascinating to hear. Her perspective of you know the jet reno character so she's great i think she's hilarious um and uh i like that character i like the character a lot uh like i said breath of fresh air you know i can't wait to rewatch discovery at some point um and uh she's one of the highlights uh certainly of uh season two my favorite season so far by the way um two i think was leaps and bounds better than seasons one and seasons three um she's a big part of it we all know that captain pike Anson Mount is a very big part of that as well. Um, you know, a lot of great things about Season 2, but yeah. So uh, Jet Reno, big part of Season 2. Love that character. All right, yeah, and she was number six. Good job, Jet Reno. Way to bring Discovery into this list. All right, back to Space 9 for my number five. Um, this is Rom. Come on. Rom, Quark's brother, Nog's father, Rom. Rom was on 37 episodes of Space 9 I would have thought it was more than 37 episodes, because he seems like he was always a presence. Um, Even in the first few seasons, he was always kind of there with Quark, working in the bar, another Ferengi. But man, did Ron really come into his own. He took a job as a Bajoran engineer on Space 9 after he quit working at Quark's. And, uh, you know, they stopped making him... He he was sort of a bumbling idiot in the first couple seasons, but I feel like they did lay the groundwork for him also being sort of a genius, At, you know, um, engineering, the technical side of things, being able to sort of jury-rig anything he needed to, you know, cheat for Quark. I feel like he was holding that bar together and saving Quark money on hiring actual people to fix it. Again, are they hiring Starfleet officers to fix it? Who knows? I don't know. But it seems like Quark was using, you know, Rom because he didn't want to spend the money. So, again, that's a whole other conversation we got to have about the Federation, lack of currency. Um, Anyway, so Rom... Great character. So way more complicated than uh, we first thought when we met him. Um, They did a good job writing him uh, towards the end, for sure. In the beginning, though, I think, too. I think he was funny. Um, Max, I'm going to screw this one up big time. Max Grodinczyk, I want to say. Grodinczyk, Grodinczyk, fun actor. Um, You know, he really did a great job with Rom. Love that voice. Moogie. Come on, who doesn't doesn't love that voice? (laughs) Yeah, that's my Rom impression. All right, back off. Hey, back off. All right. Um, yes, I'm going to do more impressions. Yes, they're all going to be bad, and yes, I like doing them. I like hearing my voice do Rom. Um, but uh, great character. Um, let's talk about this guy marrying Lita. Hello. That that's a get. I think. Um, I think it's safe to say, um, appearance wise, she was a little out, you know out of his league. But uh, hey, personality wise, you know who doesn't love a love a funny guy who can work well with his hands, right? I know I do, and that's Rom. Uh, So good job, Rom. Fun character, you know, fun fun Ferengi. He had a lot of great, great episodes and he really came into his own at the end of the sixth season. I'm sorry, at the end of the fifth season. um, I mean, he came up with the friggin' idea for self-replicating mines when they mine the entrance to the wormhole, trying to keep the Jem'Hadar out. Um, How do we do that? You set up mines. Um, You know, obviously an idea from our world, but um, self-replicating mines. It took, um, you know, Dukat and Wayun. And the um occupying force on D Space Nine, what? I guess time-wise it was months, maybe two or three months before they were able to take it down. Um, so that that was, you know, that was great on Rom's part. It was all Rom. You know, he ended up uh leading the resistance to to drive them off the station. You know, just a, just a really brave character who was gonna die for for the resistance. Um, quite unlike a Ferengi. So uh we can see where Nog gets it from. His dad was pretty cool too. So I love Rom. It was in love Rom. Great character. So that's number five. We're moving, folks. So we got, we got. let's see, we got one, two, three, four DS9s, one Voyager, one Discovery. Let's see where we go from here. We, we need some next gen, don't we? I'm feeling like we need some next gen. How about we do a little next gen, little Voyager with our number four, Barkley, baby. Yes, of course. Come on. How can we not have Barkley burning himself, cooking pasta, decompressing decks, <laughs> trying to hang photos of cars? I mean, come on. Um, our de-evolving spider Barkley himself, Reginald Barkley. So Barkley in 11 episodes, not of next gen. You know, I know I mentioned this before, but it's worth repeating. Barkley was in six Voyager episodes and five next gen episodes. I mean, that to me, that still kind of blows my mind. Like I, I I know I've seen all the episodes with him in both series, but I mean, I thought he was in way more than five episodes of next gen. And you know, if I had to guess, I would have said eight next gen, like four Voyager. I really would have. Um. So he was in six Voyagers and five Next Gen. So technically, this is another Voyager. Um. So we're gonna we're gonna on the tote board we're gonna put four to two to one. So Reginald Barkley. So yeah. So played by Dwight Schultz. You know. Uh, you know of a team fame. You know, and of course, you know Next Gen fame, and he was. Mostly a one-note character at first, you know. He, the Hollow Pursuits episode from season three, where he pr- jumped on the scene, was kind of, you know, comedic, right? It was really a device to get the next-gen regular characters into these crazy costumes and put them in a different holodeck setting, and you know. But it was a great, it was a great sort of lower-decks story, right? Like you didn't know anything about these other, you know, people on the ship, you know. So here's Barkley not he's very unfederation that he's nervous and unsure of himself and you know yeah he's got the skills he made it onto the enterprise somehow um but uh you know he he's he's just he's so insecure he's got no self-esteem you know no luck with the ladies like Jordy sorry Jordy you know very unfederation like so I do like the idea of bringing a character like that on you know different perspective like I said it's got a lower decks vibe you know you get to see a side of uh you know a crew that you don't always see. So, that being said, I feel like he was still one note for a while. Not that he wasn't played brilliantly by by Barkley. I love that. Oh, hey, you know what I just thought of? He was in First Contact. So, we're going to go ahead and say six appearances on Next Gen, six appearances on Voyager. We're going to go ahead and give this to Next Gen. Next Gen. You heard me right. Four to one to one to one. Caught up? Good. Reg Barkley. So, the man was a holodeck um, outcast. Um... He was a super genius. He was a spider, um, you know. And uh, I mean, come on, like that's that 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 on a resume alone will get you the job, you know? What job? I don't know what job. What are you asking these questions for? So Dwight Schultz really played him. Um, as it went further along, it was less of a one-note sort of comedic character. He really came into his own, and man, he really played it brilliantly. in, in that, there was a little more confidence in each episode, right? So if you watch Hollow Pursuits, and then you watch the nth degree, and then you watch, you know, um, I'm trying, you know, whatever, whatever the, the season six, the transporter episode where he had the fear of the transporters. I can't quite remember the name right now, but so if you watch each of those episodes in a row, say, and I may have, may have missed one in there, but that's okay. So you watch those three episodes, like you'll see him take away the ticks take away the nervousness take away the snap, stammering just a little bit in each in each each performance like it's really really well played um, i'm sure that goes hand in hand with how the writers were writing him but i I feel like it was more dwight schultz you know playing him a little more confident a little more secure in each performance and that that's that's really cool um you know to the point where he's on voyager like he, you know he he's still barkley but, I mean, he's got a mission, right? Like, like, he completely connects with the idea of this ship being lost in the Delta Quadrant. You know, him being lost right here in the Alpha Quadrant. You know, so I feel like that was a a great um, stroke of uh, genius, you know, really connecting him to the Voyager crew. And a great excuse to bring Dwight Schultz back and bring Barkley back. If you haven't seen any Barkley episodes, um, definitely check out um, Realm of Fear, I believe was the episode where he was in the transporter. Really, really cool episode, uh, not just about him, but about phobias, um, you know, obviously, Hollow Pursuits, Hollow Pursuits, his first episode, um, yeah, so just, you know, uh, Pathfinder, I believe, is a great Barkley Voyager episode, so if you get a chance, check out some Barkley episodes, he was a great character. Number four, Reginald Barkley, all right, we're getting down to it now, so, uh, number three, and look, sorry, spoiler alert, the rest of my list is these Space Nine, I apologize. So, you know, we're looking at 7111 as our tote board. That's seven DS9, one next gen, one Voyager, one Discovery. I'm sorry, Original Series. I'm sorry, um, Enterprise. Maybe when I finish Original Series and rewatch Enterprise, I'll have something for you. You know, Daniels from Enterprise was in my thought process. Um, um, I haven't seen the second MUD episode yet. Um, but he, uh, you know, could have been in my thought process for Original Series and for Discovery. Um, but they weren't, so that's the way it's going to land. I apologize, folks. If you are, uh, you know, throwing things, why would you be? Um, who cares that much? But uh, hey, maybe we all do. That's why we're doing the pot. So number three, Ducat Goal Ducat. That's right. Great character. Mark Alamo. I really like what he did with the character. I like the voice. I like his look. I like everything about gold Ducat gold was in 35 episodes of D Space Nine. He was in one episode, not the character, the actor. He played a Cardassian in, um, you know, a next-gen episode. He was Gul uh, Maset in, um, you know, I know, oh, The Wounded. The Wounded, um, great episode, as you know. Um, that was on my top ten list. So, uh you know, he played Golmaset, uh, the first look at Cardassians was looking at Mark Alemo. Um, so, uh, it was a no-brainer to bring him back to play a recurring Cardassian on Space 9 So him being, um, Gold At first, Gold Dukat was, you know, sort of a way to address the Cardassian occupation of the station, the Cardassian occupation of Bajor. Um, it was their station, so it's not an occupation. Um, it was, uh, Terok so it was their station, really. But as I say, a great, a great, um, Cardassian representative for the show. He did, uh, have his comedic moments. Uh, he was sort of an ally for a while. Um, so to speak, you know, I want to say in the second and third seasons, uh, he was, you know, sort of just a, sort of an acquaintance, not not an acquaintance, certainly not of Kira or Odo, but he was an acquaintance of Cisco. I would say somebody who Cisco was kind of, eh, maybe I'll have a, you know, Romulan ale with this guy at some point you know, in Quarks. I don't know. But as we may or may not know, as we all know, I was going to say, but maybe you haven't seen these Space Nine, um, his arc turns dark for sure. So his arc is one of the most brilliant things about his character and the show. You know, so what the way they brought Gul Dukat, you know, full circle from this, this harsh, oppressing overseer, you know, to an apologist for the occupation sort of you know in in a nazi vein right like you know he was sort of uh the Cardassians were really you know sort of these you know nazis who you know had an occupation of bajor but anyway he was an oppressor then he was an apologist and then he was just sort of trying to do the best he can for Cardassia. on and you know he made a very bad mistake um you know uh, when he decided to ally Cardassia with the dominion um Another great twist in that two part episode, uh, in Purgatory Shadow in by Inferno's Light. Um, not only is Martok a changeling, but, you know, Ducat betrays the entire Alpha Quadrant, you know, um, and joins and allies Cardassia to the Dominion. So, yeah, so, so, and, and Ducat begins, ends up becoming you know, the main antagonist, you know, in the entire series. A uh, spoiler alert, honestly, if you don't want to hear any of this, you know, skip ahead uh, 30 seconds, but, you know, he kills, Dax at the end of season six, and then you know embraces the paw wraiths and becomes you know the um the, the real the real big bad in uh, in season seven and you know and you know the waltz episode in season six where him and Cisco are, are stranded you know on the uh, on the the sort of desert rocky planet. I mean, that really encompasses it's a microcosm of Ducat's entire arc. You know, seeing him go from this, you know, friend, uh, you know, this apologetic uh, friend who's sort of trying to explain his actions during the occupation to just flat out admitting, I want every Bajoran dead. you know? it's just 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 a crazy but so true uh, turn for the character for the writers for the for the show. Um, you know, he declared, you know, in that moment that he was pure evil. Um, and that, uh, you know, he was, he was going to bring down Pajor. Just, just a great arc, you know? So I, I, you know, I like, um, I like how, how game, uh, Mark Alamo was to take the character, you know, in so many different directions. Um, menacing. He was a menacing character. His, uh, you know, back and forth with Cisco uh, in seasons, uh, five and six were great when he took over the station. You know, Cisco leaves the baseball there as a, as a, you know, signal to him, you know, I'll be back, you know, and, uh. Him losing his daughter, you know, in uh, the Sacrifice of Angels episode when they retake the station, when the Federation retakes the station, I should say. Um, you know, his mental breakdown. I mean, s- great actor. I mean, really great actor. Like so many, so many ups and downs for that character. Um, you know, I really think he did a great job. And, uh, you know, he is, uh, you know, rightfully on uh, this. He could have easily been number two, not number one, but he could have easily been number two. Um, in fact, now that I'm talking about it, I feel like I, I'm, I'm, you know, sort of pulled into sort of, you know, um, breaking out a uh, a Luke sort of switcheroo, but I'm not going to do it. Sorry, Luke. I'm not going to do it. Ducat is my number three. You may get what I'm talking about when I tell you what my number two is. My number two is Yun. okay? The great Jeffrey Combs. He's played 111,000 characters on all the Star Trek series, but um, Yun is my favorite. So... He's number two. And yes, I know uh, him and Dukat had, you know, had a lot of the same uh, plot lines, had a lot of the same strokes, but man, Dukat was by no means one-dimensional, but Wei Yoon was definitely not one-dimensional. Um, you know, uh, he was played with such complexity. You know, he wasn't evil. Like, Wei Yoon was not evil. Yes, he was the the um, the hand of the Dominion, you know, Um he was responsible for you know thousands and thousands and thousands of deaths, uh, may- maybe even millions. I'm not sure how many what the death toll ended up being at the end of the the, the Dominion War. But Wayune, um, uh, Jeffrey Combs played Wayune with such such richness, such uh, joy. Like the Vorta are are an interesting species. You know, I think uh, I believe one of us had a uh, Vorta on our. Top ten. I think Luke had him on the top ten species list. The Vorta are interesting. You know, they they they're the the sort of uh, you know hammer of the Dominion. You know, they they sort. Of, well, I shouldn't say that. The Jem'Hadar are clearly the hammer of the Dominion, but the Vorta are the screwdrivers. I want to say. Stop with the metaphors. The Vorta were you know really um, the administrators of the Dominion. They uh, they carried out the Founder's plans. You know, they used the Jem'Hadar. They ran the Jem'Hadar, and they really you know got things accomplished for the Dominion. The species as a whole, they weren't evil. You know, they were they were they were very happy to be, you know, I guess subjugated. They were happy to be um worshippers of the founders as gods. I think they were just thrilled to always be in the presence of their gods, which was um hey, that must be a thrill, you know, to kind of hang out with God. Um, gods see what's going on. Uh, you know, but but they took joy in things. I really love the way the way Wei Yun was curious about humanity and Bajorans and, you know, Cardassians. He was always fascinated with Dukat and Dumar, say, even even while he was, you know, sort of exacerbated by them, or exhausted by, you know, being around them so much. He was still fascinated by the, you know, the interplay between Dukat and Dumar, or um, Dukat and his daughter, or Dukat and Kira, or Kira and, and uh, Zial. You know, he always had a fascination with other species. Um, and, you know, he was, a, they're great negotiators, like him and Cisco were always, you know, sort of back and forth, tete-a-tete, you know, with, um, negotiation tactics and it was just really, really great um to watch Jeffrey Combs play that character. Technically, Jeffrey Combs played Wayun as multiple characters because Wayun was the Vorta are clones. Another great reveal um that the Vorta are clones and Wayun was killed six times. I think Wayun seven was the final one. Maybe Wayun eight, I've kind of forget, but the Wayyoon that finally dies uh either in the final episode of the show or towards the very end of season seven, the female shapeshifter sort of says, you know, that was the last Wayoon, you know. So there, there were clones and so Jeffrey Combs technically played a bunch of Wayoon's, but every version of Wayun was interesting. I love the way he played it. So much fun to watch. Um, the way he, uh the character carried himself, um, and just like I said, his interplay with all the other characters. I personally got a kick out of Wayun. You may argue and say Barkley or Dukat or maybe somebody I didn't even mention is is a better choice there. But um hey, Wayun's my number two. So there you go. So we're getting down to it. Here we go. Number one, top ten recurring characters. So look, I guarantee that this is at the top of a lot of your lists. I'm pretty sure by now you know that number one is going to be Elim Garrick. Yes, of course. Of course. Of course it's Garrick. How is it not Garrick? What a cool, interesting, funny, just just complex, um, deep a just fascinating character. I mean, you know, come on, Garrick. The spy stranded on D Space Nine after the Cardassians left because he couldn't go home. Um, you know, uh the slow burn getting to know him, getting to know if he really was a spy, you know, getting to know if he was really full of shit, if he really had these skills, if he really, you know, cared about Bashir or not, if he really cared about humans or Cardassians or or anybody. Did he ever have any relationships? that that he truly cared about. I mean, I think we could safely say now after his whole arc, he did have people he cared about and he did have things that he cared about. But man, Garrick lived by his own rules, his own code, um, his own ethics. And man, was that fun to watch unfold over the course of seven seasons. Um, Garrick was there from the beginning. He was in 37 episodes. Yes. I thought it was more too. Like maybe this is just me. I'm way off the mark. When I looked up how many appearances these characters had on these shows, I thought they were way less or way more. Like, none did I say. Yep, that makes sense. So, Garrick was in 37 episodes of DS9. And, um, I think they knew they struck gold early on with, uh, Andrew Robinson. Uh, and I think they knew they struck gold early on with, with the character of Garrick. You know, he started out just being sort of a, uh, a mysterious friend of Bashir's. You know, uh, he, I believe he was in the episode with, uh, the first episode with Lursa and Bator. You know, where he sort of, uh, was speaking in code to Bashir and the, you know, the wide-eyed Bashir had no clue what he was talking about. Odd with his, you know, genetically enhanced brain, but, uh, we'll talk about that another time. So anyway, the, the, the friendship of, uh, Garrick and Bashir is one of the most rewarding ones in the show. You know, not the most rewarding for me personally. I, I tend to, think that maybe Bashir O'Brien or, uh, you know, uh, Cisco Dax, Odo, Kira. I mean, look, God, what a show. So many great relationships on that show. But you can make the argument that Garrick and Bashir's relationship was one of the more fun ones. Um, you know, he did branch off into you know, having his own, um, you know, relationships, obviously with, you know, Zial or with, um, yeah, sort of Quark, sort of Odo, sort of Cisco. You know, he's sort of, sort of Kira. He's sort of had a hand in relationships with each of those characters, but, like, that's what makes the, the the character so great. He wasn't really, he you could not call him friends with anybody, really, except Bashir, and even that's a maybe. Um, I love the last episode where he sort of, you know, admits to Bashir that, yes, it was, you know, he he did value his friendship, and, you know, he does consider him a friend, and, you know, but but even, it does still feel like kind of a stretch to call him a friend, you know, to Bashir, which is, Something to be said, considering that, like, he's such a loved character. Like, I know that Garrick is beloved by so... I mean, I've never heard anyone say anything, oh, man, Garrick. Another Garrick episode. Ugh, great. Are you kidding me? No. No, the Garrick episodes were awesome. It was like seeing the uh, cigarette-smoking man in X-Files. You were like, ooh, it's going to be a good one. Um, you know, every time you learned a little bit more about his past, a little bit more about, you know, his his uh, connections, you know, in Auburn or, um, you know, when he was working for the Obsidian Order... Uh, you know, right up till the end, you were still learning things about him, even when, um, you know, season seven, when, uh, Bashir was going undercover, uh, you know, uh, with the, uh, trying to infiltrate the Tal Shiar for section 31, you know, Garrick still, you know, oh yeah, he was, uh, I feel like he was uh, posing as a gardener on Romulus years ago. Like, come on. Can we get a Garrick show for Christ's sake? Can we get a Garrick at this spot? That is a good idea. I'm almost. I don't want to put that out there. I want to write the pilot myself. Hey, if you're hearing this, I realize that I can't write and I'm not good at writing pilots, and I would never make that famous ever. So uh, if you're hearing that, then uh, hey, take it in Roman. That just give me give me credit at some point somewhere. If you're not hearing this, that's because I'm writing it. And I'm keeping that for myself. Luke, you're gonna be the judge of that. The Garrick Show. Holy shit! Couldn't be Andrew Robinson, but who could it be? Okay, yeah. Okay, hey Netflix. Do a uh, Netflix. Hey, Paramount Plus, do a Garrick show, for Christ's sake. All right, anyway, how cool would that be? I mean, one of the episodes is, you know, just about him on Rom. One of the episodes, one of the arcs is about him on Romulus. The whole first season is him, you know, joining... The- okay, all right, all right. this isn't going to be the pitch for the Garrick show, but that's how great this character is, right? I mean, you know, this character is uh, so much fun to watch. Andrew Robinson plays him so well. Hey, listen, Andrew Robinson, by the way, is... um. Is, uh, you know, he was really famous in the seventies and eighties for playing, um, you know, so he was the bad guy, quote unquote, in Dirty Harry, the original Dirty Harry, you know, the, uh, the, the bad guy, seventies looking, you know, scraggly hair, glasses wearing, uh, you know, bad guy. That was him. And, uh, I also know that he was the reporter in Cobra. I'm going to repeat that. He was the reporter in Cobra. Yes, Cobra, the horrible, awesome, terrible wonderful <laughs> semester stallone movie from the mid-80s uh where he played marion cobretti the cobra from the zombie squad that was not a Stallone impression it was was not an anything impression that was horrible but uh you know he was a reporter who got friggin one punched uh, at the end um so you know character actor has been around but I've, you know his most uh famous part was you know playing garrick on Space nine can't say enough good things about garrick um fun character. If you haven't seen Deep Space Nine, believe me when I tell you it's worth the price of admission just for Garrick. Hey, look, if you disagree with me, tell me. If you think I'm balls-on correct, tell me that too, and tell me what balls-on means, because I have no idea. So listen, hey, that's my list, man. I hope you had a lot of fun listening. I will try um, to get some... uh, guest stars on here uh guest stores and we'll try to get some guests on here to speak on the pod we're obviously going to try to get luke to get on here as much as possible um like i said my boy luke is stepping back into the uh, producer's role that he was doing before anyway um but luke has um luke's branched off uh you know like we mentioned in the previous pod to, to do a couple other exciting things um that uh hopefully someday we could tell you about Ooh, that's a tease i know i shouldn't be saying things like that anyway so that's the pod guys listen Thank you so, so much uh, for listening. Uh, You know, please, please, please let us know, man. Let us know what you think of the pod. Let us know what you think of me going solo. If it's horrible, tell me it's horrible, man. If you liked it, tell me you liked it. Um, And you can hit us up on uh, Instagram, Twitter, email at stwarp 10 And uh, yeah, uh, we will be back very soon with another episode. So uh, take care. Thank you so much.